Skip. This is episode 119, and today you have the dynamic duo. I am one of your hosts, Seth Lakehouse, alongside the astonishing, the amazing, the astronomical. The astronomical. Love that. Wasn't expecting that at all. <laughs> I was like, what are some big A words? The awful Austin L. <laughs> I'm the doing well, man. I hope you are. It's good Adonis to be Adonis Austin L. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, so, how you doing this week, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We are we are officially past the holidays. We are as of recording. It's Dude, good, I good do not. I do not get a break for the first yeah three months of the year, right? Because I have Christmas with Caitlin, and then our anniversary is the second week of January, <laughs> and then there's Valentine's Day. And then her birthday is seven days after Valentine's Day. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, I just got I got to be buying gifts left and right. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, my birthday is this month, so it's about a month after Christmas. But then, like, aside from that, I mean, I guess Valentine's Day is, is next month. But after that, we're pretty clear for a while. In fact, we we kind of we had talked about our wedding, you know, was first week of May. We had strategically said, like, hey, we want it to be kind of away from, like, other things. So we're not just, like, slammed. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, half of my family's birthday is in the fall. And, of course, you got Christmas and Thanksgiving. We had talked about the fall at first, but then we were like, well, that's a little too close to a bajillion other events. So, like, early summer worked. Now, this is what <laughs> I never understood, right? So when you and Andy got married... Did you switch your anniversary celebration to the to the married date, or are you are you still celebrating your date date yeah. as well? So that's a good question. Well, and the funny thing is too, you also have to think, Seth. You know, for our situation, we got married a little over a year after we got engaged. But if it goes longer, then you've also got the engagement date mixed into it. So it's insanity. <laughs> we we kind of. Best I could tell, we kind of threw the original dating anniversary out the door. So it was like September, October time frame. And we're just, we got rid of it essentially in the fall. In fact, I don't even know that we discussed it. It was just kind of like, a okay, our new right. anniversary is, is, is May. So nice. Nice. that's what we decided on. But yeah, the, the whole engagement thing, you know, let's say it takes you a couple of years, two, three years to get married. Like it does for a lot of people. Then you've also got that date to deal with. <laughs> yes, a little, a little getting crazy with these these uh, anniversaries and whatnot. How was your holidays, bud? It was very good. It was yeah. very good. Um, I finally had Christmas off for like the first time in several years, and then I also had New Year's off, which was nice. So I had some some good holiday time, and it was just good. It was good. It was very cold here. In Georgia, as I'm sure it was up near you as well, the Christmas yes. weekend. <laughs> it was horrifying. <laughs> Dude, it was the type of cold that I haven't experienced. Like, we get cold every year, right? We get into, like, you know, the, the teens. Every once in a while, we get the single digits. But when he gets into, like, the negatives with wind chill, that's yeah. a different kind of cold. Dude, that, that, like, cuts into your muscle. Like, you feel it. Um, and it, like, 
you're not just cold. It hurts when you get hit by air that cold and you're out there in any significant amount of time. It's like extremely painful. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just wasn't expecting it. And it came out of nowhere. And then, uh, you know, a week later, we're back up to, you know, 50s. We were in the mid 50s today. Oh, yeah, we were we were mid 60s today. And yeah, I mean, even for us, I think the Christmas Eve morning. So that Saturday morning, it was like the actual temperature was like four degrees, which just never happens down here. And I think the wind chill made it like negative 10 or something. But um, the lowest we really ever get is like maybe, maybe like the high teens. We really don't ever dip into single digits. At least as far as I've been alive, I can't remember us ever dipping into single digits. So it was frigid. And I was telling you over our our group messaging for the podcast that like so many people's pipes burst here. Mm -hmm. It was insane. We got to a point. This is the craziest thing. And this will this will kind of put it into perspective. So many people's pipes burst. There were so many leaks that a lot of the cities around us started like they, they were on a shortage of water. Because like so many crazy. leaks popped up. Yeah. Like the reservoirs were all drained and they just couldn't keep up. It was insane. So you, yeah, when we were talking about that, you had mentioned that we normally have insulated pipes up here. That's actually not true. We just have typical PVC pipes. What I think the difference is, is that we're so much used to heating our house. Yeah. And that's probably the difference. Because you guys probably don't heat your house too much, right? It, it, not that there. much. Yeah. So, but like. Realistically, once November hits, you're running the heater all winter long. Like it never stops. So I think that's probably why it's it's not as big of a problem up here where it actually gets colder. Right. Every once in a while you hear about pipes bursting and, and whatnot, but not not that very not that often. Um but I spent the entire day over at the new house we're buying. As you can see, all my shelves are empty. We're moving out here very shortly. Um, I finally got all the work done and this dude, have I told you this story? Like the, the dude was still there while I was doing all the repairs and whatnot. Yeah. Like you hadn't technically bought the house yet, yeah. but you were doing repairs so that yeah. he would sell you the house, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this dude this was discussed moved- on last episode. If you're curious. <laughs> yeah. So this dude finally moved out and, um, I, I walked in the house today and it was very somber. It was like really, I'm, I'm a, believe it or not, like a, a pretty emotional guy. And um, this house was just empty. And I'm like, wow, it's this is a really somber, like depressing thing because this dude moved here to be with his girlfriend, live with his girlfriend. And then just a year later, bam, it's gone. Right. It's like it's crazy. It's empty. So. I was I was uh, walking around painting stuff and whatnot. Um, but this whole situation has been so stressful, Austin. So stressful. And I've I've been at my like absolute limit. Every once in a while, your boy has to blow off some steam, and I've been doing this with. I, I've fallen in love with the harmless prank. Right, the harmless prank that just occupies someone's mind forever, and. I've been doing things at work because I work night shift, which provides you a lot of opportunity to just absolutely mess with people. Right. I've been doing things at work, like replacing all the paper in the manager's offices with pink. 
right? Pink paper. <laughs> so they go to print out like the reports of the day or whatever, and it all comes out pink, right? Uh, taking the chairs in the meeting rooms and turning them around and to turn the tables around the opposite way, right? Doing these like... <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But like, there's almost no limits to what like I- I'm willing to do. So have you ever been to Sam's Club or like a Costco yes. or a place yeah. you can buy in bulk? I had my first, I had my first encounter with Sam's Club or like one of these bulk stores the other day. Right. And it blew my mind. I was, I was yeah, like, what have I been doing with shopping at Walmart all this time? Right. Like, it's I've a giant wasting, warehouse of magic. Yeah, I've been, I've been wasting <laughs> so much money. So I was walking around and I was like flabbergasted, absolutely flabbergasted. And I don't know if you, do you have you ever been to a Sam's Club? Yeah. Okay. So like they were giving out like samples. They, they literally were giving out samples of Monster Energy drinks. And I was like, this is crazy. This, I, this is a di- whole other world. But I, I round the corner and what do I see? Blocks of cheese on sale, right? <laughs> and I immediately had this flashback to this. Uh, it was either Reddit or TikTok thing I saw where like someone was at their office and they're placing a block of cheese in the in, in the community um, fridge every day to, until someone said something, right? And I was like, well, I don't really, I don't really want to. That, that's that's too much of a of a time sink. So, needless to say, I bought two hundred blocks of cheese. Oh one my pound God. blocks of cheese. So it, it, it's a significant amount of cheese. Like there's 200 pounds of cheese. Yes. 200 pounds of cheese. There were one pound blocks. All right. That's 200 pounds of cheese. So the other day I throw them all in a duffel bag. Very heavy. If you think you can carry 200 pounds in a duffel bag around your shoulder and not like sell it, it, it was very heavy. So I got halfway to my destination with a duffel bag, gave up, right? I turn around, take it back to my car. Well, okay, so I didn't get halfway. I got like a, a little bit inside the door because halfway doesn't make sense. But I, I put it back in my car, drove around to the backside of the building. And I knew I had my target in mind. I, I had him, right? My supervisor, real stick in the mud kind of guy, hall monitor type, you know, security guard type, like this this guy right somebody this, that's like asking to be messed with yeah this guy's a security guard on the one day he has off just just because he wants to be a security guard all right and thankfully for me i know his schedule because i mean i have to know when my supervisor's around so i can get away with shenanigans he i know he comes up and then he goes to the smoke shack and then goes to visit his son who also works at first quality before going back to his office every day, he has a set schedule every day, right? So, what I do after I go into work, I drive my car around with this 200 pound duffel bag of cheese to a side door. I store it in the bathroom next to the supervisor's office. Okay, so this office, it doesn't have just him in it, it has like Six supervisors, all for varying shifts. The manager of my department, like all the big wigs who think they're important right. to, and, and they think they're important and critical to the, the operability of like, you know, the, the facility. They have a mini fridge in there. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I, I stash this duffel bag. This this well, it's like a gym bag, right? Full of 200 pounds of cheese in the bathroom. 
and go up to my thing. I just wait. I sit there and wait for him to show up because he shows up once a night. He shows up, you know, sits there. We shoot the shit for a little bit and he goes out to the smoke shack immediately. I beeline it for the bathroom. Go to his, go grab the stuffle bag. Fill this fridge completely up with blocks of cheese. Right. <laughs> right, like you just you made a rush for it. I take the double. Yeah, I I, I open the fridge up. There's nothing yeah. in it. I fill it up with cheese. I I just I stack this cheese. You cannot fit one more thing in this fridge, right? <laughs> I go I go to their ice machine. Dump all the ice out in the sink. <laughs> fill the ice machine. Sting <laughs> up with cheese. <laughs> These blocks of cheddar cheese, right? And then I have like. Way too much cheese left over. I, I mean, like, I, I, 200 pounds is way too, I overshot this. I was going to say, this sounds like a lot for a margin. Fridge. Yeah, I overshot this by a large margin. So I go to his drawer, and I empty out all the contents of the top drawer into the second drawer. And I fill that with cheese. And by that, I was pretty much done. I had, like, I got a couple extra. But then I just found a sticky note, and I just wrote, say cheese with a smiley face, and stuck it. Oh my god! <laughs> the in the fridge. <laughs> so I I had to call off work today due to uh, um doing work on the house before the appraisal. Right. But I am just so looking forward to coming into work and hearing about the cheese man. <laughs> and this is and this is how I've been getting my stress out. Just absolutely messing with people at work. I love this though. I yeah. love this, and it's fun to mess with people at work. For sure. Like once you find the person, you know, it's like it's like in the office, Jim has Dwight. Yeah. You know, there there's always that person at a workplace. We've got a guy like that, and I haven't personally played any pranks on him, but everybody in the office plays pranks on him throughout the year at, at some point. Our engineer at one point lifted slowly over time. He would put little wood blocks under this guy's desk. And so over the span of like three or four months, his desk just got higher. That and is higher awesome. And higher. That is awesome. That's until one day he brain. came in and he was like, what's going on here? Like, is my chair messed? Up? That is awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. Um, yeah, it's just That's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. I mean, like, this is what happens when. I get a lot of promotions within a year and I move my girlfriend in with me. So now we have double income with with new children. You know, and and I make way more money than I did last year. So like, I just I I feel like, you know, and I'm not doing anything wrong. One could argue that I've been I've I've gifted a blessing. No, you're gifting to charity. It's it's charity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like a cheese Santa Claus, right? I just come in the middle of the night. Bam! Here's 200 blocks of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me ask you this question though. I mean, you yes. just talked about income, and this was like on my mind. How much did this cost? So the cheese was on sale for a dollar per block. Okay, so you paid two hundred dollars. Yes, I did. I paid two hundred dollars <laughs> for this cheese because the the amount of enjoyment that I'm going to get from this, and the the, the they're going to be trying to figure out who did this for years, and I'm just going to be sitting there in the back of my mind, being like, "That is a fascinating story. I wonder who would do that." I am eagerly anticipating our follow up <laughs> on this conversation because I really want to know too. Like, what does the guy do with the cheese? Like, does he give it out? Exactly. Exactly. Does he I want to know as home? well. Yes. <laughs> but also, like I said, it's not just him. There's like six other supervisors right, that they right. use that office and the and the manager of my department. So like 
They're all going blaming each other. Next next holiday, Valentine's. You've been cheesed. Right? You've That's... been cheesed. <laughs> right like a Valentine. And you put like one little piece of cheese on his desk and just going to be amazing. Continue to torture him over time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's been what I've been doing over winter break, uh, or or our winter break. I don't really we don't get breaks anymore yeah. as adults. No, but um, yeah. Other than that, the stress of buying this house and so uh, have have you closed? Where, where, what's your status on this house? So that's that's the reason I, I called off today uh, because I got the email that the second appraiser is going to come on the fourth. Which working nights gives me like you know not much time. That's why I called off today, so I could go and finish ever whatever chipped paint was you know needed done and um, get that taken care of. So hopefully next time we record, I'll be done and closed and and all moved in. Hopefully, good. Good. I don't know, but that'd be. Good. I'm I'm sure you will at this point. I mean, you've been through like everything. Twice over. Yeah. So. Very good, though. Very yep, good. Yep, I, very I, good. I know it's a stressful situation. <laughs> oh, dude, it's terrible. It's terrible. But the cheese, the cheese helps. So. Yeah, stuff like that <laughs> definitely helps. I mean, like. Um, definitely. That, that, that's the reason I've been doing it. Just because it gives me the most amount of joy like, I could possibly get. And it, you know what? I can always, you know, there's. The, the the prank in itself is funny, right? I spent two hundred dollars on cheese to prank somebody. Like that makes me laugh enough. Anyway, what have you been playing lately, my friend? <laughs> as far as video games go. Yeah, so I haven't been playing with people's minds like you have, but <laughs> <laughs> uh I've been playing two games primarily, one of which being Pokemon Scarlet. Nice. Which Andy got me the uh, the double pack for Pokemon nice. for Christmas, and she ended up playing, taking Violet pretty much, which was fine. Um, and then I I've, I've been playing Scarlet, and I'm not crazy far in because I've been kind of sidetracked with just other stuff and you know visiting family and whatever it may be over the holidays, so I haven't had a, a ton of time. But I'm probably at least ten hours in. I might be closer closer to fifteen, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I, I think I've said on the show before, I've kind of dropped off Pokemon ever since. I'd say like Pokemon Sun was the last one that I like tried to get into. And even that I didn't get super far. I think I played about 30 hours. And even though that's a great game, I was just kind of burnt out on the franchise. Yeah. And yeah. I I played a little bit of Let's Go and it just wasn't for me. And just at that point, I dipped completely and really haven't messed with the series since then. So. I was looking forward to Scarlet and Violet, but kind of held off just because of God of War and whatever else was coming out in November. So I was glad to to get it finally. And it's awesome. I mean, I'm I have to say, like, the technical stuff is definitely accurate. It's frankly, it's a pretty ugly game. Right. Um, I don't think it looks too bad handheld, but when you're playing it like on my my beautiful, really nice <laughs> OLED 4K TV, it's like uh, coming from that or coming from God of War to that. It's like, man. Uh, this game's pretty ugly. I think, the, frankly, the worst part about it, and I don't want to harp on this stuff too much because it hasn't really affected my enjoyment, but the worst part about it is just seeing the textures, I think, is what bothers me the most. The frame rate hasn't really bothered me 
I haven't had many glitches, but like when you're looking at a cliff and you just see the same square repeated over and over again, like checkerboard across the cliff, it's like, man, this looks like a PS1 game. You know what really <laughs> messed with me was, I don't know if you've run into this or not. You're, you're yeah. playing Scarlet, so you probably have. Sometimes when you're running up to like a hill or like like a like a ground like texture mm-hmm. and you're you jump, it'll like warp. Yes. As it, it looks like water yes. almost. And it's like, yes. what is going on here? I've never seen that kind of glitch in a game before. Yeah. The grass really looks weird. weird too. It's like all translucent colored but, and dude, you know what's amazing? Do you actually own a copy of Sword or Shield? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. Well, I'll talk about it in a little bit, but I went back yeah. and to play Sword and Shield after I beat Scarlet. And they look so much better. And then like Let's Go, Pikachu and Eevee, they look so much better in terms of like the models right. and and the anti-aliasing and stuff like that. And it's like, what happened here? Well, and I even looked at a video, I think I think it might have been Game Explain, I forget who it was, but somebody was comparing Arceus. Mm-hmm. And and Scarlet and Violet and even Arceus looks considerably better. Yeah, and Arceus looks like crap. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, point being, they're pretty rough looking, but I have to be honest, none of that's really bothered me. I think the game itself is phenomenal. I mean, the actual like gameplay loop of going around and exploring and you know finding Pokemon out in the field. You know, I, I've really the way I've been playing it at least, I haven't totally been focused on like okay i'm gonna go to this gym i'm gonna do this um titan i'm gonna do this team star i frankly i've just been walking around like i've been just totally aimless which has been great because i've just been finding new pokemon and i'm like oh i don't have that one and it just it feels that like collector in me Mm -hmm. of you know going around finding whatever i can and and making sure i i add them to my collection so I appreciate it on that front. I, I think the the gameplay, the actual like, hey, you just walked up to this Pokemon, it instantly transitions to a battle. There's no like real yeah. loading screen. You're right in the exact same spot you were when you ran into it. You know, graphically, visually, it's the exact same spot. It's it's such a cool idea. Yeah, um, I agree. And then the actual gym battles and stuff, I mean, when talking about that, I'll just tell you, here's where I'm at in the game. I think I've done the f- I've done two gyms so far. I, I've done the Stonewall Titan or whatever it is, the, the crab, and then I've done the first Team Star fire base. So even though I've played like 10 or 15 hours, I'm really not that far when it comes to the actual, like, I guess, objective type stuff. Yeah, so that's one of the things I really loved about the game was the branching narratives that you can take. You can either, you know, you have to do them all, actually, which they don't really tell you. Um, You have to do them all, but I really liked, okay, I'm going to focus on the gems right now, or I'm going to do the titans now. And um, realistically, there's a a level path that's not very marked out very clear. It's one of my biggest complaints in the game, Um, because it has you zigzagging all over that world map, back and forth, and working your way up. And then back down the left side. So it doesn't really make much sense at all the way they set up the the world map, which it's their first real attempt at a mainline Pokemon game in an open world. Um, 
Whereas all the other Pokemon games, they had the you know the routes set up from your hometown all the way to the the last gym and then to the Elite Four. In this game, you have to just kind of figure it out. And although I was successful in figuring it out eventually, there was definitely a few times where like I bit off way more than I could chew, and I, I just didn't understand. I was like, why? Because the the mechanic is supposed to be set up so that you can ask the nurse. I don't, I don't know if they're called Nurse Joy anymore, but the the Pokemon Center nurse, like where to go next, and she's supposed to tell you the next place that your level is suited for, but it doesn't really work. And yeah. it's it's more set up to okay, here's the next place that's closest to you. If you go somewhere else on the map and ask them, they'll say something else. Right. Which doesn't make sense. It's it should just be like, all right, here's the next thing most closest to your level that you haven't completed yet. Um, that I do have a big complaint with that game. But other than that, man, Pokemon Scarlet really reinvigorated the um, love for Pokemon in me. And um, I'll talk about that more here in a little bit. But what, what else you been playing, buddy? Yeah. Um. So my other game I've been playing, which. Frankly, this one kind of came out of nowhere for me, but I think I brought it up on the last episode of how I was suddenly kind of interested in playing Last of Us Part 2, finally. Mm-hmm. I had, you know, I've said for years on this show, and I think you and I were kind of in similar shoes of not really liking The Last of Us as a franchise. You know, I, I, I thought the first game was fine. I remember enjoying it when it came out. But I will say, like, I don't know. I've I've thought about it some more recently, and I've just try to put in some thought because anytime I see trailers for like the TV show or the remake for part one, like I've been pretty interested in them. And I think for me, it's more so a matter of when I played the first last of us on PS three, it was a pretty rough time in my life. Um, I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about, Seth, but it was just a very dark period of, of time for me. And so I think when I think about that original game, it just kind of teleports me back to those moments. And so I, I don't know, maybe this is just me saying this, but I I feel like that's the reason why I've always said I, I wasn't a big fan of part one. And so I wanted to give part two a shot and see if I could separate those feelings from the franchise and enjoy it again. And I've got to say, I'm about six hours into part two, playing on PS5. I am thoroughly enjoying that game way more than I thought good. I would. That's good. Um, you know, I, I I think anybody can look at Sony first party games and say like they're all third person over the shoulder stuff. Like in Last of Us, definitely started that. But this game is so impressive still, even with that being said about how the God of War Horizon, everything looks pretty similar. I think the most impressive thing to me, frankly, about Last of Us 2 is kind of the dynamic nature of it. I think, and, and this is the best way I can describe it, I was walking around this kind of open world area. I, I think it's in Seattle is where I'm at right now. and you can go to these workbenches and like upgrade your weapons. And it's just like any other workbench in, in a game. You know, you walk up, you've got your items and stuff. It gives you different options for like adding 
um, a grip to your weapon to reduce recoil or whatever it may be. And I go up to this this bench and I just start tinkering away in the menus. And then all of a sudden I'm in the menus and I just hear like people talking. I'm like, what in the world? Like, and I, I walked up, I made sure everything was clear. Nobody was there. And so like just sirens go off in my head and I exit out of this bench. And like this group of people has like walked up just in the middle of me at this workbench. And I go out and I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I get rid of these guys? Do I need to clear them, you know, stealth wise, or should I kind of go guns blazing? And so I start to clear them. One guy sees me, I run away and hide in some grass. And then all of a sudden, like in the middle of this encounter, I've been hiding for like at least two or three minutes, trying to just kind of scope out my path. Clickers like come out of nowhere and start <laughs> attacking them. And then they just totally forget about me and they're attacking the clickers. They kill the clickers. The clickers kill a couple of them, but it gives me the chance to get up behind these folks and like get rid of the rest of them. Nice. So, anyway, point being, the reason I described all that is I don't know that I've ever seen a game so dynamic. Like, I, I can't remember really the last time I've experienced AI on that level of, you know, when they find you, they, they really don't stop searching for you. They're, they're not, the people don't have like these specified paths like they do in a lot of stealth games where, hey, if there's a table, they're just going to walk around it over and over and over again. No, they're actually going to act pretty realistic. And I mean, I know this is probably like beating a dead horse at this point. The game's been out for two and a half years, but I just, Frankly, I can't believe how impressive. Wait, really? Yeah, it was 2020. Oh my god! It was like June 2020. Oh so, but I just can't believe how good the game is, and I it's it's kind of reinvigorated my love for Naughty Dog. I I really lost it after Last of Us and Uncharted 4. I mean, I still loved Uncharted 4, but. It just wasn't the same. It, it wasn't the same as un the Uncharted trilogy for me. Yeah. Um, as far as that goes, I think, I think I've come to the realization that I'm just not a Naughty Dog guy. I, as much as I wanted to be, and as much as I pretended I was um, during the PS3 era, I just was not. I mean, I think I took down all my videos from my old channel. But yeah. if you go back and listen to my Uncharted 3 review, I was not hot on Uncharted 3. The only Naughty Dog game that I really loved was Uncharted 2. Yeah. I love the Jack and Daxter game, Julian. That, that's not really what we talk about anymore. With modern Naughty Dog, it's, it's an, an Uncharted 4, right? I really loved Uncharted 2. And then I felt like Uncharted 3 was sort of just a clone of Uncharted 2. It didn't really differentiate itself much except for being more verbose and big with, with bigger set pieces and explosions and like it amplified the Michael Bay up a lot right um and then I was really excited for The Last of Us and I think this is where it goes south for me because I got The Last of Us on day one and I played it straight for like six hours right and then I saw our old friend Jordan Gross post on Facebook about this ridiculous glitch that wouldn't let you save yeah, in The Last of this. Us. 
And then I went to my menu and sure enough, I could not save. And I realized at that point, I like I was, I was screwed. It was over. Right. So I had to start the last of us from the beginning all over again. And, um, it just never sat right with me, man. Like I just, I never got this emotional breakdown that people were talking about from the last of us. It seems pretty bare bones. Um, I didn't, I didn't have any like moving emotions from Jewel being the bad guy and, and whatnot. I, I found the last of us to be honest with you, kind of exhausting. to play. And I felt the same way from uncharted four. And I've talked about this a lot with uncharted four, but in Uncharted in general, but I think the big thing with me and Uncharted is it never slows down. It yeah. never gives you that characters around the campfire, dialogue heavy character development moments where you can really appreciate the game. Instead, it's just go, 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 go um, throughout the whole time. And I, I, I'm not crazy on that. I'm good with Uncharted for like the first half of them. Usually, after that, I'm like, all right. When when are we actually going to get to the spot with the treasure? Because that's the way I felt with Uncharted Four was, it was a a giant cat and mouse game where we we would think we would get to the spot where it's supposed to be, and then it wasn't there. Yeah, oh, it was somewhere true. else. That and is then, true. You know, your princess is in another castle type thing. That really bothered me with Uncharted Four. And then after that, um, all the drama surrounding Last of Us Two, and that being leaked and, and me seeing the leaks, and I was just like, ah, I'm good, man. Like I just. And, and I think that's okay, right? Like I, I'm, I've, yeah. I'm coming around to accept in my adult life that like certain people just aren't going to be into certain things, regardless of quality. I'm not going to force myself to play The Last of Us or Uncharted because I just don't think I'm going to enjoy it, you know. Right. And, and that that's what it comes down to is like I, I don't want to waste any time playing something that and and trying to pretend like I need to love this because it's Naughty Dog and it's you know supposed to be amazing. I can still recognize the quality of The Last of Us. I can still recognize the high-level writing of The Last of Us as, you know, some of the best in the business. But for me personally, it doesn't suit my taste. And I think that's something I've been coming around to, um, like I said, more as an adult. Yeah. It's just, you know, keep different people have different tastes. And it's okay not to like things. Right. And it's so true, though. I mean, you talked about quality. I think a game can be quality even if you don't personally enjoy it. Like, I know yeah. that Horizon is a good game i just it's just not for me right i've tried over and over again to get into that game and i can't and so it's almost the same thing with you and and last of us for me and horizon and i know you've had similar feelings with horizon kind of with the second game but it's just it's a franchise that i just know i don't care about those characters i don't care about that world i don't care about that gameplay i don't think it's bad it's just not what I enjoy. And so that game might have some of the most beautiful graphics in the world. And that's that's fine. I can still appreciate that. But it's just not not a game um, that I, I would like to play personally. And there are many other games like that for me. I mean, there are everything. I think that's the thing is, as people who enjoy this medium, everything is not made for you. It's it's got its target audience. And that's something you definitely realize as you're as you're older and frankly, as you have less time to play, you've got to find the stuff that, you know, you will enjoy that, you know, you'll be able to get into. And I think you come to. Find that stuff more kind of as you hone your 
interests, I guess, for lack of a better metaphor. Right, right. And I've also come that I've come that way around with uh, Assassin's Creed as well. I'm yes, done with Assassin's same. Creed. No, I am too. I uh, I gave the newer ones a, a real honest shot, and I just I, they're not for me. So, and believe it or not, I used to buy and play Call of Duty every year back in the day. Yep. Also, flashback. Remember that insane Infinite Call of Duty Infinite. Uh, Zombies moon. It wasn't zombies. It was some whatever else. But we had that one. Oh on yeah, that we played like for ages. Yeah, yeah. We're like, I we were about like that. pretty much unkillable as a unit. We were like really good that night. I think it was like me, you, Chris, and Elijah, mm-hmm. and we played it for like several hours. Yeah, I remember that. We just could not be beat. <laughs> Great night. Great night. All right, buddy. Anything else? Uh, anything else you've been playing this this month? Really? No, that's really it. I've been playing a little bit of Tetris Effect. I bought that game for Andy for Christmas on Switch to go with her OLED, which I also bought her for Christmas. And just because it's like a really pretty game. And um, so that kind of spurred me to try it out. And so I've been playing it a little bit here and there. I never really played Tetris as a kid, so I'm like terrible at it. For some reason, that was just a series that I missed. But it's a really pretty game. I'm trying to like understand how to play Tetris more. (laughs) So I really don't fully understand it, but. It's a good game. I'm looking forward to playing more. Uh, I'm going to put really. a I'm going to put a pin in that OLED conversation. I want to come back around yeah. to that. Let's do um it. so as far as uh, I go, I, I pretty much have just been all in on Pokémon since Scarlet and Violet came out. Uh I went through and I beat Scarlet and I really loved it. I had a blast with it. And uh Nintendo they're Dang marketing strategies. I realized that I got far enough in Sword and Shield that I really do need to go back and beat them, right? So I went I went back to Sword, beat it, and I had always heard with Sword the DLC is awesome. So I jumped into the DLC, the Isle of Armor, and I actually really loved the Isle of Armor DLC with the sword. Um really cool i thought the the premise was really cool you get like this little pokemon and um this little this little bear guy cub Fu, i think his name is oh yeah i forgot about that and you raise him to um a friendship level sort of like a Riolu type situation and then you get to choose which form you want to evolve him in via like these battle towers really cool really cool premise um, and they brought back a whole bunch of really cool recognizable Pokemon in the in the fields in that in that DLC as well. And then I got to Crown Tundra, dude. And when I tell you Crown Tundra is the most exhausting, repetitive nonsense that I've ever played in my life, I sincerely mean it. I don't understand what they were thinking. Dude, okay, like I could go on for Pokemon for hours because I think like Pokemon is it has it's a really big part of my life and something that I got away from from so many for so many years um really when me and you started recording the podcast yeah. and then i came back in x and y right right and the crown tundra removes any special feeling you get from catching legendary pokemon and i don't understand what they were thinking with this because essentially what, what crown tundra is is a giant legendary catch spree right like Really? For, yeah. For some reason, like uh. 
all the Reggies are on the Crown Tundra. All like the the legendary birds are back in the, the Glorian forms, and they're in the Crown Tundra. And um, I know Mewtwo's in the Crown Tundra. And there's um, you can go through these like expeditions, which are the most infuriating mechanic in Pokemon I've ever dealt with because your options are to go with AI partners or to go with um, online partners. Well, no one's playing Sword and Shield anymore, so you have to go with the AI partners. And they're all Dynamax battles. So the the um, opponent can one-shot you no matter what. And you don't get to bring your own Pokemon. You have to rent Pokemon from them. And the AI is so bad, dude. They're, they're awful. And if you if anyone in your party... It, it works like a Mortal Kombat ladder. And you only are allowed four deaths in your whole party, right? So these AI are doing things like throwing heals out <laughs> when you're at full health. And these Dynamax <laughs> Pokemon are one-shotting you. And it's just like... It's so frustrating. I've I've dealt with it enough. And I've gotten crazy. A, I've gotten a few cool like legendary Pokemon like Suicune and Zygarde and whatnot. But I I threw in the towel. I'm like I can't. It's too frustrating, dude. It's way too frustrating. Anyway, wait. So just before you go any further, just to confirm, because I feel like I might be re- misremembering. Were these yes. two separate DLCs? Yes, it's Crown okay. Tundra and the Isle of Armor. Okay. The Crown Tundra was the second one. The Isle of Armor was the first. Um. Okay. I th- I'm I'm throwing in the towel on the Crown Tundra. I'm just not having fun. I'm, I'm just the reason I wanted to do this was because I wanted the Pokemon Home Collection, right? Because you can now take all your Pokemon and transfer them to Pokemon Homes so that you never you never have to worry about losing them like I did for like you know X and Y or the yeah, previous generation. I need to do that for my 3DS games. Um, and I think you need to do it soon. I think that yeah. service is being yeah. shut down soon. So, um. Anyway, then once I was done with Sword, I decided to jump back into um, Let's Go Pikachu because I tried Brilliant Diamond and I wasn't feeling it as much. I know they're great games, right? But I'm like, ah, I'm just not I'm not feeling like a brand new adventure right now. So I'm, I kind of want to go into something more familiar or, or a little different, with it, which is Let's Go Pikachu. And I'm telling you, man, I don't understand it. Like. The graphical fidelity of sword and shield and then also let's go pikachu now i think let's go pikachu was developed by a different studio wasn't it i think so i think it, so and i mean it, it also wasn't open world to be fair but it's a really good looking game and it, that's been out for a while now i mean that was probably 2018 it is the best pokemon has looked um no it says de- it says developed by game freak just don't get That's it interesting i don't get how they can make something that looks this good and smooth yeah. and it says it was november 2018 so i mean that was four years prior and then sword and shield which also i mean granted not so much in like the the wild area there's a, it's a lot of glitchy messes and whatnot but i mean in battles and whatnot it's super smooth it looks yeah. really good i don't know what's going on with them but pretty I really much my- do feel like this was a case, at least when it comes to Scarlet and Violet, I, I really do feel like they were just rushed out. I mean, yeah, I, can I don't see know. That. If, I don't know if Arceus was the same team. I can't. I know they were both Game Freak, but I can't imagine they were the same team in Game Freak. I would be astounded if, if Arceus and this and Scarlet and Violet were the same. But 
I really feel like knowing Arceus released this year, or I guess I should say last year now, knowing Arceus released last year, I, frankly, I know it always sells like crazy, but I really feel like they should have held Scarlet and Violet, given it more time, focused on Arceus. I mean, because we were slammed with with Pokemon. We had Diamond and Pearl last fall, Arceus several months later, and then Scarlet and Violet six months yeah. later. So I knew I knew one of them was developed by a different team. And it, it was Diamond and Pearl, right? Yeah, ILCA, yeah. who I've never heard of before. Um but Yeah, man. Um I'm just all in on Pokemon right now and I'm starting to get burnt out, so I was looking for something else to play. And here's the weird thing, man, right? Like I, I'm well known, well known for my hatred of the Nintendo Switch. And I don't, <laughs> I don't uh-huh. get it. It doesn't make any sense to me, right? Because it, they're they're not bothering me with Pokemon. It, the, the the console, like I'm I'm having a blast and I'm taking it to work and right. I'm having a blast with it. The second I transition off of Pokemon, I'm like, fuck that. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like trying to play Xenoblade Three or like Fire Emblem, which I really want to play those games. I really truly. Yeah want to play them and like jump in there but i'm just like oh this sucks and i don't know what it is i don't i don't know what it is but there's something about the switch speaking of which which I, we're gonna pull that pin out now that i yeah that I, yeah i was about that earlier um you bought andy an oled switch for I christmas yeah what do you think of it i really like it yeah. Um, frankly, I wasn't expecting the screen to be as big as it is. Yeah. It's like, I knew it was a little bigger, but I wasn't expecting it to feel quite as large compared to the original console. When I when I put Caitlyn's Switch next to mine, I'm like, that looks disgusting. <laughs> Get it away from me. <laughs> it never bothered me before, but when yeah. I when I compare them, I'm like, oh wow, the OLED does look really good. The colors look amazing. And um, yeah, you're right. And you, we had we had talked on Twitter a little bit. I, I made a funny comment on one of your um, things about buying an OLED switch. About um, yeah. it was the, Digital Foundry. Uh, you said confirmed there was not a Switch Pro in development. Right. Um, to that, I say Digital Foundry. You're absolutely out of your mind. <laughs> out of, dude, Nintendo has been working on a Switch predecessor probably since this first Switch came out. Right. Like they're they're working on something. There's something coming out. Um. But with that being said, are you going to buy the Switch OLED still? The Zelda one? I think if the Zelda one releases, I will. Otherwise, I probably will not. You know, that leaked this past week. And I say leaked in quotes just because we don't know if it's real or not. I mean, it, it totally could be a Photoshop job. But although that being said, there is a shot that is just the Joy-Cons in like bags. Like they come in when you buy the the system kind of in the box. And so, frankly, I think it's real. So if it's real, I probably will buy it. Um, I've got the Animal Crossing Switch now, and I don't know. I'd just like to to get the Zelda Special Edition. And yeah. um, here's the thing I will say. I, even if it comes out, though, and I don't get it, I'm not, like, super upset about that because I primarily play docked. It's very rare that I play handheld. But I do think I would play more handheld if I had the switch, just seeing yeah. the bigger or the, or the OLED, just seeing the bigger screen. Um, 
yeah, because I'm I'm in a similar situation where like I just bought my OLED recently, yeah. you know, for Pokemon, and I did that with the full knowledge that the Switch Two or the Switch Pro or something is right. is almost certainly going to come out in the next two years. Um, and I I know Digital Foundry has connections and whatnot. I just feel like they have to be. Yeah, Nintendo, I mean, I think here's what I think. Frankly, I I think they're probably right that there's not a switch pro per se coming. And the only reason I say that is because we're still dealing with like supply chain and inflation issues. What I foresee is just a straight up switch too. And I'm, this is my dream at least is they just make like a stronger, you know, better hardware switch to whatever they want to call it. And that's it. I, I, I really hope that it's not like another, GameCube to Wii, Wii U to Switch situation where they go with to- something totally different. I really hope it's right. just the Switch continued. But I guess and, at the end of the day, I'm saying Switch 2, but that's essentially just a Switch Pro. Well, yeah, and the, there's nothing really wrong with the Switch, I don't think. Um, no. There's no nothing to really improve upon. Just hardware. Other than, other than the, you know, the, the, the power, right? Yeah. Um, but I did look it up, and you know, their, Wii was like their best performing console. Right. Ever, right? That came out in 2006. The Wii U came out in 2012. So that was six years. Yeah. We're approaching that for the Switch. The Switch came out on March 3rd, 2017. It is now January 2nd, 2023. So, like, yeah. I just have a really hard belief that they're going to go seven, eight years without a new console. Nah, I don't buy it, man. I, I really think Nintendo has something in the works. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. Where I stand, though, I don't think it'll be this year. I think it'll be 2024. However, what I will say is I think it'll be early 2024. Yeah. Switch released in March, I want to say, of 2017. and so I could see that. I could see it releasing next year. I mean, they've got Zelda coming out. They've got Pikmin 4. I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, a, hey, Metroid Prime 4 or whatever it is is the big launch game for 2024 because it appears this year is already going to be somewhat slow yeah when it comes to switch releases i mean we've we've still got a lot of games coming we got fire emblem like i said zelda supposedly pikmin 4 but um overall compared to a year where we had you know kirby and the forgotten land we had two pokemon games um splatoon bayonetta 3 this year looks a little lighter, so I wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of the final year of of launch switch. Speaking of the future, <laughs> let's talk about the topic we wanted to bring to the table this week, which is um, our peak, our yeah peak, our peak or preview at twenty twenty three in video games. Me and Austin have both gone down and made a list of games and. I wrote the release dates. Did you read the release dates down? Some of them, like the ones okay. I'm really excited for. I did. Okay. Not all of them though. Um, we, we made lists and we're going to go over them. And Austin, the way I think I want to do this is I want to do your list first and then I'll go over mine. And if we have something that we forgot to write down or that the other person brings up, just slide in there. After after we talk about it, right? So like I'm sure we both have like Final Fantasy 16 on, on our list or something like that, right? 
I'll just slide in there after you're done talking about it and, and I'll mark that off my list. That way we're not going over the same thing twice. Yep. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Hit us off. Okay. So I've got probably like 10 games here. Maybe a little more. I honestly I can't tell. I should have just counted. It's a it's a it's a that. packed year. We were just talking about this before the show. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, so twenty twenty two overall I thought was kind of slow. I thought there were a lot of good games this past year, but looking at the next year, man, there are so many games coming out. I mean, there are so many that don't have release dates, to be fair. So yeah. who knows what gets pushed. But just based off of like even the first six months, I mean, I'll just start off here. This is a pretty simple one. Not a whole lot of thought into this, but Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden releasing on Switch, Xbox, PlayStation on January 19th is a big deal. Um, I'm really excited to see those games come to other systems. Here's what I will say. I'm excited to play Persona 4 again. I'm still excited to play Persona 3. However, I just really do wish it was the, the fast version absolutely infuriating i don't know what they were thinking i I have no idea dude the well i know they both have their pluses and minuses like i know that portable you can control the your your party and i know that you can play as a female character and so i get there are pluses there but at the same time there's so much more content in fess and you've got the fully 3d town yes instead of the map with the cursor so it's exciting though Persona 3 Portable is essentially just a visual novel. And that's yeah. that's what's so frustrating about it is that so much of that 3D animation was cut out to right. just a cursor going over certain places. And um, I can't play it. I, I won't play that. I might, given proper mood, try to get Persona 4 a fourth shot. <laughs> fourth time this is the charm. Fourth time's a charm. <laughs> I don't know if I can, dude. I don't know. Like, I... Persona 4 just has not resonated with me the last few times, yeah. but given my mood, I might try it. I really love Persona 3 FES, um, and I famously put like 100 hours right. um, on PS2, and I really wish that was the FES version. I, I think that we'll get again someday, but... Yeah. I mean, honestly, it would have been cool if they had just released both, if they had done Portable and Fest to give people the yeah. option. Or just like do a hodgepodge. How hard would it have been yeah. to just like deconstruct FES, break open the code, and like add some of the things that right. you know portable? They're they're gonna make tons of money. It's Persona, like the shoe in for money. Right. So either way, though, I'm looking forward to it. I I do want to try portable Persona Three portable, just to give it a shot and see what it's like. I've played a bit, a, a decent chunk of FES, but there's just no real way to play it. Like on modern systems right now, which is kind of frustrating. I mean, yeah, I could play it on, I guess, PC or on um, my PS3. I have like the PS2 port on the PSN store, but that's really the only way. And so I just want to be able to play it on like my Switch or PS5. Yeah. And sadly, that means portable is my option. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so, yeah, I'm excited for both of those. I still want to play Persona 5 Royal and finish it up. I'm like relatively far in it, but I need to I need to get through that before I play either of these again, for sure. My next one comes out the day after, which is Fire Emblem Engage. Ooh. And okay. I think it looks really good. I really do. My only concern still is the, the main character. I can't look past it. I can't. Yeah, do that. I really. I it's do a bad th- design. 
they're and then like I see other characters too that almost have that exact same look, and I'm like, yeah. I can't do this. This is this looks like some fan fiction nonsense, but I wish. I'm hopeful that it's it's good. I played a about maybe 15 or 20 hours of three hopes and i liked it but my problem with that game is it was so like tutorial heavy the first 10 hours are just you know you're like in the school and there's just nothing going on and it was just infuriating so i hope that this game is not like that i really do but it, it looks good i don't know the graphics look pretty good at least and it's been a while since i've played a strategy rpg although that being said I do want to pick up Tactics Ogre Reborn at some point because I am dying to play that game. <laughs> I heard it's very good. I've heard it's very good. So I have, I've heard that too. My next one, and this one actually kind of came out of nowhere late last year, is Wild Hearts. Oh, yes. February 16th. I wasn't by... sure. I wasn't sure if you were going to be into this or if you were just a pure Monster Hunter guy. No, I mean, I love Monster Hunter, but at the same time, I enjoy the clones, too. I I think my favorite clone is Freedom Wars. Freedom Wars was yes. so good. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what this game turns out like, considering it's a Koei Tecmo game. And it's the same developers, of course, as, like, the Dynasty Warriors franchise. So, and my understanding is they made a, a Tokiden on... Vita, which I never played, but I've I've heard good things about that game. So, and that's also a Monster Hunter clone. So they they've kind of got some experience with this already. But this one in particular looks really really good. I think the exciting thing about it, frankly, is it's got the EA publishing power behind it, which means it's going to have a larger budget, I would assume, based off you know stuff EA has done in the past. But to me, that's a good sign because the Dynasty Warrior games, frankly, are usually pretty low budget. And so I think yeah. that having that EA backing really could give them a lot of energy, I guess, for lack of a better word, to make this a really AAA Monster Hunter style game. And frankly, we haven't seen any Monster Hunter clones in a while. It's We were getting slammed with them back in like maybe the 2013, 2014, 2015 era. But over the past few years, we really haven't gotten any. So it's going to be exciting to see what this game turns out like. Yeah, I agree. Um, This is something that is like in like the maybe category for me, right? Um, If people are in love with it and people are playing it and they're liking it, I'll I'll pick it up. I put a lot of time into Monster Hunter Rise. I think I have over 70 hours in that game. Mm -hmm. Really loved it. Um, Same with Monster Hunter World. I don't know. I'm into that gameplay now. I finally understand it. I remember back in the day when you first recommended, uh, I think it was Monster Hunter 3 or Ultimate or something on Wii. Yeah, probably 3 Ultimate. Try. I don't don't know. I tried that and um, did not understand it. But now I I understand the gameplay loop a lot more. And I think breaking the um, loading screen barriers helped a lot with that. Because back in the day, there was like 16 different areas that you could go through and whatnot. And and it was really annoying too because you could get hit by a monster and they would knock you into a different area <laughs> yeah so such bad game design <laughs> yeah that was know. rough that was rough i mean i still like old school monster hunter but it's it's definitely more approachable yeah now for sure so my next one on here i don't really have a history with this franchise but i think this game looks great like a dragon ishin 
which is, of course, what Yakuza is being called now, like a dragon. And uh, this is the one that's the kind of medieval samurai era uh, Yakuza game. And it's, I was talking to you kind of about this before, Seth, but my understanding is it's still like the main characters from Yakuza. It's just more of like a what if yes. scenario. And so I played a bit of Zero. In fact, I played a good chunk of Zero until my PS4 crashed and I lost my save. Rough and one. so that's at rough. that point, I was like, well, guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't really gone back to the series, but I think this is a this is one where I could go back to without having played the other eight, I guess. <laughs> so I, I am looking forward to that one. Yeah, I. Uh... I don't know. I'm having trouble because I loved Yakuza Kiwami. But everyone talked about Yakuza 0. I did not like Yakuza 0 very much. Um, Pedro loved it. I did not like it. Um, Like a Dragon, Yakuza 7, I was trying to get into. Um, but just it, it wasn't the right time and place. So Yakuza is one of those things for me where like I think it's very hit or miss. Um, I love the craziness of yakuza and i was about halfway through kiwami 2 and I, it's really impressive what they ma- managed to do with that franchise where, like they just they literally never gave up with it right like they they released all of them in the united states and then randomly yakuza kiwami hit and blew up and now now they're they're i mean they're huge so they're a huge deal yeah um it's really cool to see yakuza pro- proliferate in the united states and um they're good games man they're 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 wild and wacky and and i'm i'm really um looking forward to going back to kiwami 2 at some point and beating that and then i'm probably not i'm probably never gonna play three four and five just because i don't want to i'll I'll probably go back and play six and seven at some point but this one also looks really cool because like you said it's a feudal japan time and it's like a spin-off what if type scenario i'm really into that Speaking of RPGs, said no one because I haven't even discussed any RPGs. Octopath <laughs> Traveler 2. Yes. Looks so damn good. And I haven't even played the first one. And this is probably going to be one, unless the stories somehow connect, where I'm just going to buy it even without having played the first one because it just looks gorgeous. And I need more of that turn based, kind of classic style RPG in my life. Well, you're not going to have to worry about, I don't think, the stories connecting because there was almost no story in the first one. Oh, that's good it, to know. It fell off for me. Um, <laughs> I'm also, as you can imagine, really excited for this. I just love this art style. Yeah, um, totally. I have the collector's edition of the first one, and I thought mechanically it worked really well. And individually, each characters were really interesting, but the story and writing fell really flat for me. So I never completed it, but... Um, this is a trend that I'm really enjoying in modern gameplay, which is taking these 2D games and flipping that formula on its head. We'll talk about Suikoden later, which I'm, I have on my list. It's doing the same thing where it's giving us like the, that 2.5D storybook type um, look to it. And I, I think it's really cool. Yeah. And like, uh, Live Alive was similar. Yes. And then, you know, for better or worse, the uh, pixel remasters for Final Fantasy. I know it's kind of a similar art style. So yep. it's cool to see this 
you know, maybe we'll get tired of it at some point, but I, I really do adore this art style. I think it's really just a, a really beautiful way. And there's this one, I forget what it is, but there's one indie game that's coming out. It's kind of like an action, like cyberpunk almost type, like side scrolling game. And it's got an, a very similar art style. I'm really looking forward to it too. I'll have to go. Is it uh, Anno Mutagen? Maybe it might be. All right, and my next one is Resident Evil 4, the remake of that. comes out March 24th, and I'll just say I've, I've kind of dropped off Resident Evil the past few years. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the series, but ever since the remake of 3 released, I just haven't um, really kept up with it. So I haven't played the 3 remake, and I haven't really played much of 8, but I still am really looking forward to this remake of 4. Graphically, it looks gorgeous, but... Frankly, I think the thing that's most exciting is they're kind of changing the way 4 worked. They're making it darker, a lot more, you know, kind of horror-esque. Not that 4 wasn't scary, but I think the thing with 4 was it was more scary because of the atmosphere rather than, you know, just being a scary game. So it's going to be exciting to see what this turns out like. I'm... Very much so looking forward to it. This this will definitely be a, a day one purchase for me. Nice. My next one, Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection. Woo! Comes out April 14th. It's got like every uh, Battle Network game in it from the GBA. And I loved that franchise back in the day. This was like really my only exposure to Mega Man as a kid. I never really played like the side scrollers. It was always Battle Network for me. and um, I forget what the ones on the DS were that came out after, but they were the same idea, Star Force or whatever it was. And um, I'm looking forward to this one for sure. They they seem to have done a lot to it, a lot to all these games. And they've got like online battles now, which is pretty neat too. So looking forward to that. And then moving right along, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, of course, May 12th. There's not a whole lot for me to say here. I mean, it's it's a Zelda game. It's the sequel to Breath of the Wild and mm-hmm. one of my favorite games of all time. So I uh, I hope this one was worth the wait, frankly, because they kind of made it out to be this quick development cycle. And obviously that was not what happened at all. So <laughs> this will be six years after Breath of the Wild, which is pretty crazy, but looking forward to it. I know we're both excited for this this next one. And frankly, this is my most anticipated game on this list final fantasy 16 yes june 22nd i just i there's there's so much i could say about this game but i i think for me it's it just looks different you know it's it's not the final fantasy we've seen over the past five ten years it's it's just a very different game and i'm really looking forward to it looking forward to it for that reason i mean it's you're we're going back to that old school knights style and um it's yoshi p i mean i i just trust in him supremely to deliver this 10 out of 10 video game <laughs> right right um yeah dude and, and you know what like i'm thinking about it and it's been a really really long time since we've gotten this European medieval style RPG. And you wouldn't think that, but it's like, well, like 
Tales isn't really that, right? It's it's more of just like a fantastical Japanese inspired one, and and um, you know, there's not really any other huge RPG franchises that are are putting stuff out right now. And Final Fantasy hasn't been like a classical um, D and D esque type setting for a long time, and this just despite being a very old school era um like 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 a classic you know like era it feels different from what we've gotten recently and i'm really excited for it this will be the first time a red mage is a main character in a final fantasy game and that that's awesome um and this will be the first mainline final fantasy game that's come out since i've been an adult really right I'm not counting Final Fantasy 15 because that was originally a spin-off game. Um but That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean we we haven't really gotten anything since Final Fantasy 13. So this is really cool. I'm really excited for it. Um and I like you said Yoshi P, I I I really trust him, um especially considering what he did to Final Fantasy 14. Um continues to do final fantasy 14 and i am on media blackout at this point i haven't seen any more trailers since the reveal trailer and uh i'm my body is ready yeah i watched the last one but i think from here on out i think i'm kind of going to be in the same boat i'm going to try and avoid trailers because i've seen enough i mean there's exactly i know this is going to be a long game anyway and there's just so much I I, I want to save for sitting down and playing it. So it's exciting, though. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it, too, honestly, just because it's like a next-gen experience. Yep. We haven't really gotten a whole lot of that. And knowing that there's a Final Fantasy mainline game coming out that's like PS5 exclusive is very exciting. Yep. So, All right. And then my last three here, none of these have release dates, so let me just uh, drive through them. Pun intended for this one. Pacific Drive, I'm really looking forward to. If you remember right, they showed this off. I forget when it was. It was one of the showcases toward the the, the fall, but it was that, that game where you're like driving around in like Seattle. It's got kind of like the cel-shaded type art style. It, you've got like a DeLorean almost looking uh, car. It looks really interesting. I'm really looking forward to that. It's an indie game. I haven't frankly been playing too many indie games but that one i'm really looking forward to oh it's it's the it's the post-apocalyptic one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so that, that does look very interesting it just looks different yeah and i'm excited for that alan wake 2 speaking yes of, of different is uh also supposed to come out next year or i should say this year if it does <laughs> but, i think it will. Uh, remedy's yeah. pretty good they are. And I'm really looking forward to Alan Wake too. I've, you know, Alan Wake was one of the first 360 games I played and it was really what set forth my, my love of, of remedy. I loved, loved, loved Alan Wake when I played it. I still need to play the remaster, but I've been craving a, a sequel for years because the way Alan Wake ends, it, it doesn't Frank, it really doesn't end. I mean, there's a huge cliffhanger. And so it's almost like that half-life type effect where we've just been waiting for god it's probably been over 10 12 years at this point now for like the continuation 
Did you play the Alan Wake DLC for Control? I did. Okay. Did that answer any of your questions about Alan Wake? Did it give you any any sort of a little bit forward in the story? A little bit, but it also left more holes open. So I have a feeling that's where this game is going to pick up is kind of continuing on from the story that was left from one, but also knowing now some of what was left open in the uh, Control DLC. Oh, see, because so. I uh, I stopped playing it because yeah. you told me it was going to spoil Alan Wake. Mm-hmm. Then I went and played Alan Wake about halfway through. Didn't like it at all. I think mean, it's it's a very yeah. Divisive I don't know game. if it's aged well. No, it, it it doesn't seem like it's aged very well at all, um, especially in the combat department. So um, I'm really looking forward to Alan Wake 2 because I, I do feel like with, with the way Remedy's timeline set up, Alan Wake 2 seems like it has to tie into Control. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. For sure. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So I'll, I'll probably just watch a summary or something of Alan Wake 1 as much as that, that pains a lot of people to hear, I'm sure. Um, and and uh, nothing wrong Alan with that. Wake 2. Yeah. Yeah. And then my last game on here you know, aside from, I would say, Tears of the Kingdom, Final Fantasy 16, and Alan Wake 2, this is probably, you know, in that top four of anticipated games. Spider-Man 2. I hope to God comes out next year <laughs> because I need this game. <laughs> I loved Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man Miles Morales and Spider-Man 2, you know, there's not a whole lot I can say just because it's just Spider-Man. It's more of that, that gameplay, that that fluidity that we experience with the other two games. And I don't know, man. I, I just this is one one Sony franchise that like I just I need more of now. <laughs> yep. So that's my list. Um, as far as Spider-Man goes, I don't know how I feel about it. Right, because I'm in a really weird state with Spider-Man. Okay, I really loved Spider-Man uh, 2018, and one of the few games I got the platinum on. I thought the Miles Morales um, expansion DLC, whatever you want to call it, sequel, I thought it, it wasn't as good as people made it out to be. Um, also, it's it's going to be forever tainted just because I played it in shock after my mom died, and it was just I, I like honestly don't even remember most of it. I just remember being like, kind of like, I remember not liking the main villain. That being said, I feel like as a Spider-Man fan, I can predict what's going to happen in Spider-Man Two, and it prevents me from being excited for it. I feel like it's so obvious and I can predict what's going to happen and I don't want that to happen. And I just feel like it's impossible for me to be excited for that game. And I, I don't know how to feel. Um, I'm obviously going to play it and pick it up, but I would, I would say my excitement is at bare minimum. <laughs> uh, surprising. I'm it's, like pretty surprised by that. It sucks. It, well, yeah, it sucks because I really do. Like I was so into the first game. Like that's one of the few games that made me cry at the end. Um and I thought they were very daring in what they did with the story and the characters in that game. But Miles Morales just I thought he was I thought the um Miles Morales that we got in the game was one of the better iterations of Miles Morales we've gotten. Certainly better than the comic books. 
Um, and in my opinion, even better than the Spider-Verse, Miles Morales. Yeah, I would actually agree with that. Um, but I just, I didn't think that he had a very compelling story in the expansion. I thought it was just kind of weird. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could see where you're coming from. Um, you know, as far as predicting what's going to happen, I understand why you wouldn't like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> that that being said, like I didn't I didn't predict what they were going to do with the first Spider-Man game and the characters yeah. in that, right? So who knows? We'll see. I, I'm I really hope, I really do hope they turn it on its head. I, I hope it's not what people expect it to be. Yeah. Well, because we've got I, mean, I, I never mind. I can't spoil um what happened. I think I think it's still too yeah. soon to spoil what happened in the first game. But um there's some definitely cliffhangers that are left um at the end of the game and the DLC. And, um, yeah, we're just going to have to see. All right, my list. Jumping in here, the very beginning of the year. Hogwarts Legacy, February 10th. Nice. Absolutely stoked for this game. Um, I think it's nonsense that this game is not going to get a fair shake um, from the media based on who wrote the original works. And that really sucks because you can tell that the team is putting uh, an immense amount of love and care into this game. Dude, have you watched any of the gameplay videos of this? Yes, it looks astounding. It's insane the way this game looks and the level of detail they've put in, into this game. And um, there's not much else to say, dude. I, I'm so hyped. And here's the thing. I am not even that big of a Harry Potter fan. Like Me and my dad watched all of them at midnight on release day. Um, and it's, I think it's definitely a cool universe, albeit odd, right? Like the a lot of a lot of situations could be resolved if they just didn't say the name of the spell they were casting as they were doing it, right? But other than that, um, I'm really into into this Hogwarts Legacy game coming out. It looks really cool. The open world aspect looks really cool. Um, all about it yeah and i have to say you know i don't want to throw anybody under a bus but i do agree with you as far as jk rowling goes i mean she didn't write this game no she as far as as far as i know she didn't have any involvement with this game i mean i know she'll get royalties i understand but it's it's frustrating to me to see this group of people that are passionate about it kind of get um pushed aside just because of the actions of the original, you know, creator. So well, I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, so I'm not, it's not really for me, but the game does look really good. I also think, and this is just my personal opinion, people are making mountains out of a molehill with JK Rowling. But again, that's my, that's my personal opinion. Um, and it's very clear that like, this is one of those like Twitter thinks they're the whole universe type situation because Harry Potter is as popular as it's ever going to be. Dude, like, people are insane when it comes to Harry Potter. There's there's nothing that's slowing that franchise down just because people don't like J.K. Rowling. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Jedi Survivor, March 17th, about a month later. This is a game I am super excited to see what's going on with because... The first game I thought was very passable. It was the first good Star Wars game we've gotten in years. And I think me and you both felt the same way that 
it would have been a lot better had it not been a Metroidvania. This one looks like it's not going to be a Metroidvania, or maybe that aspect of it is toned down a lot more. Um, really excited to see where Cal Kestis' story goes after this, and really looking forward to seeing what this game can be with a lot more polish and um, care given to, like the finer details. Yeah, and this one wasn't on my list only because I still haven't beat the first game. I've tried a couple times to get through it, and it's just... I don't think it's bad. It's it's there's just something about it. I have a really hard time sitting down and, and getting through it. Um, something about I it frankly it probably is kind of the Metroidvania aspect. It it doesn't fully click with me, and so yeah. I hope that even if this game still has that, I hope that it's more well rounded. I guess for lack of a better word, like it's more, you know, it's better paced. Some of the puzzles are more well-designed. Because I will say, that's probably my biggest complaint with the first one, is the game's pretty frustrating. Yes. I I mean, not just combat-wise, but just, like, the game design. There are times where you're going around, and it really doesn't tell you, like, what you're supposed to be doing at all. Right. And I just had many moments where I was like, okay, time to go to a YouTube video and look up what I'm supposed (laughs) to be doing, because I have no idea. And (laughs) so, I hope that this game is better in that way because I, I really do want to play it. I just need to get through the first one. <laughs> I fully encourage people to put uh, the first one on easy difficulty because I know everybody that I know that's beaten the game switched to easy difficulty right around the same section too. By the way. Um, because the game's hard at first, but once you get the mechanics down, it becomes a lot easier until you get to Dathomir and Dathomir kicks your, yes, like beats you down. That's usually when people put it to easy mode, I found. Um, But the last 15, 20% of that game, phenomenal, by the way. So I really recommend you go back and play it. The next game on my list, Legend of Heroes Trails into Reverie, comes out July 7th. Austin, I have half a year to prepare myself. (laughs) We're jumping back. So how long is this game? Four, 500 hours? (laughs) Now, this one, this one's probably going to be right around the same length as the others. Um, I'm expecting to clock 70 to 90 hours into it. And listen, I just spent two years catching up on Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel, right? It, it was a series that seemingly never ended. I pushed through this past year, and I think I completed two, three, and four. Or maybe just three and four. But uh, I can't get enough of it. For some reason, I can't get enough of it. I've heard the Reverie is really good. Now, um, Trails in the Reverie is actually the end of the Trails of Cold Steel arc. So despite it not being Trails of Cold Steel, it's actually like the fifth Trails of Cold Steel game, which is um, confusing. But I figure I've come this far, right? I can't allow myself to fall behind again. It, it So I might as well just keep up with it. Yeah. And actually, if I really wanted to, I could play it right now. I have the fan translation patch installed on my computer with Trails of Reverie. Um, I actually bought the Japanese version, and I was going to play it with the with fan translation. And then they announced the uh, the release date for the English version of it, and I just figured I might as well just wait. Uh, but I, also I wish have... I had time for this series. Dude, it's... 
very rewarding. And what I've found from listening to um, Colin and Maddie's spoiler cast is that if you have patience, I think you you would like it a lot more than me. Like, I like the game because of the character development, right? The the highly politicized world that that's that it's in is well written, and it's very in depth. But it's also a little much, and it's it's got a, a lot of anime tropes, like characters seemingly never dying and never getting finished off and always coming back. And there's definitely certain moments in these games where I'm like, just just finish him, just kill this guy, right? And <laughs> instead, it, it, there's like a ha ha, I'll get you next time, and full, you know jumps away or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, all right, smoke bomb, yeah, I'm just out of like, here, get <laughs> out of here, like finish this person. Um, but it is a very well-written game and it's a long-standing series and it's only gaining more and more popularity here in the West. So that's really exciting to see. And hopefully next year we'll get the Kuro no Kiseki, which is the next gen versions of or, or the sequels and whole new nice. continent, whole new story starting off fresh. So that'd be really interesting to see. Next on my list is Baldur's Gate 3. Comes out in August. No specific release date. We just have August. Uh, game's been in development for way too long. Been in early access way too long. If you need um, a reason to dispute early access games, Baldur's Gate 3 is your go-to. Dude, the um, Steam overall reviews scores went from like overwhelmingly positive to like mostly positive uh, recently. Because people were complaining about how long it was taking for it to come out. Like one of the top reviews on Steam recently was I bought this game with the intention it was going to be finished at some point. Right. And I think that goes to, sh- to, to show just how ridiculously long the game's been in early access. It's been in early access for, I think, over two years. Yeah. I just so, looked this up as we were talking. Yeah. And yes, it says the early access released on October 6th, 2020. So way too long, way That's too crazy. Long. Yeah. Um, and the, the crazy thing was with Baldur's Gate three. And the reason I didn't jump into that early access was because your saves get erased every single time they update the game. So because of all the um, features they add in and this is a CRPG through and through. So you can interact with almost anything. It's, it's essentially virtual dungeons. And dragons. You can do almost anything you can think. Um, the story looks very good, though, and it's co-op. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, set in the Forgotten Realms, the uh, you know most popular D and D setting. So, I think me. And I don't Caitlin, know like anything at all about Baldur's Gate, but old school CRPG, good. yeah. And the purveyor of the isometric co-op games, I would say, like the original isometric co-op games. Like, if the, I I don't think if there's not Baldur's Gate, you don't get Diablo. So, um, very exciting, very cool. Um, and from the best team that could possibly do it, the creators that made Divinity. Oh, nice! I didn't know that. Yep, that's awesome. Yep. Wow. <clears throat> Next on my list, and the rest of these are TBD. They are announced for this year, but they do not have a specific release date. This one, uh, speaking of long development times, has been in development. <laughs> Uh, an extraordinarily 
long amount of time. That's Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. Oh wow, yeah. Um, listen, this game has been in development hell, and there's no denying that at this point. I saw this at PAX East the last time I went, and that was 2017. I want to say. Wow. Oh my um, gosh. And or no, it would uh, the last time I went would have been 2018. So 2018, I I saw a, a working gameplay demo of this. I know that wasn't when I the first time I saw it. I think it got announced in 2017. This is a action RPG based on the um, very popular mobile link Grand Blue Fantasy. It's now got a spinoff fighting game and a spinoff anime as well, and it looks really cool. Um, and I I don't know what happened to this game, but I believe it's developed by Platinum. And you know that that speaks wonders. It's either Platinum or Ninja Theory. Yeah, I gotta or, look it up. It says okay. So what I'm reading, I just pulled it up. First off, it was announced in August 2016. Yeah, long, long time. And it was announced as a collaboration between platinum and Psy games however as of february 2019 platinum is no longer involved so it's a Psy games joint now apparently not a good i mean that can mean that can mean two things right like yeah. platinum finished their part portion of it right and they they, they they were done or it was so bad that platinum was like we can't yeah be involved and to be fair, just this is a Wikipedia article, so who knows where this info is coming from, but it says it was announced Platinum would no longer be involved in the project, leaving Psy Games to handle the rest of development. So it makes it sound like they're just taking what was left. So I still don't know I, why they left, but that kind of alludes that maybe some of the Platinum developed stuff is still in the game. Yeah, I mean, it lo- if you look at like trailers of this game, it looks really good. It looks really cool. Um, very yeah, fast action it does based. Look good. essentially what you would expect from platinum that being said there's a reason this there's something's wrong right here right like long development times usually equal low metacritic scores and that's because things go wrong anyway next on my list is remnant 2 which does not have a window yet except for 2023 uh, Remnant from the Ashes, one of my favorite games that I played of that year. Very good. Souls Light, I would say. Um, co-op game. And the best way I can describe it is like Souls meets Monster Hunter. Wow. Yep. Um, I never played it. It's a post-apocalyptic monster hunting game with a really interesting story that mixes fantasy and post-apocalyptic and magic and all kinds of crazy stuff. Very, very interesting world. Very unique. But very hard as well. You know, um, and there's a lot of RNG involved in which bosses are going to show up and it makes a really fun experience. I, I really recommend Remnant from the Ashes. Next up on my list is Starfield. Um, <clears throat> I'm excited for Starfield mainly because I want to know is this when Bethesda crashes and burns? Can you climb ladders? You cannot climb ladders. 
which means that this game is unfortunately going to have the same bugs that Fallout 4 and Skyrim and 76 and um, Oblivion and Fallout 3 and Morrowind had. <clears throat> and there's going to be an unofficial patch for it that comes out within weeks, maybe maybe months at the most, right? It would be nice if Bethesda jumped on board and made it so that that was not necessary and fixed some of the age-old bugs that have been in this game. See, that's what people don't realize with Bethesda games is that they're able to make these unofficial patches so quick because these bugs have been in the game engine forever. Right. It's and, like a, the people know what they need to fix before yeah. the game's even released. And um, I'm interested enough to see how Starfield plays out that I have it on my list. I'm actually not that interested for the game itself, Starfield. I want to know what consequences this has for the gaming industry. Because yeah. in my personal opinion, as far as world building and lore building, Bethesda's top notch. As far as game building goes, they have fallen very far behind on the times. Um, I was not that big on Fallout 4. I've beaten it twice now. And I still think that, like, the reason I've beaten it twice is because I love the Fallout universe, right? But I always find myself very bored in Fallout 4. And I actually have more fun watching lore videos. And then the last thing I have on my list is the Suikoden in HD remaster. Yeah. Um, dude, I'm all in on the Suikoden in HD remaster because I never got to play these games. For the longest time, Suikoden 2 was one of the most expensive PS1 games ever. Um, even like 10 years ago, it was like $250 for a physical version of Suikoden 2. And then it came out, I think, digitally on PS3, if I remember correctly, in, in part of the Classics Collection. Right, right. Dropping the price, and then I think it, it's been slowly creeping back up, but supposedly one of the greatest RPGs of all time in Suikoden 2. Um, and I'm really excited to see how that looks in the modern-day setting. The trailers look awesome. And, uh, you know, I'm all about those classic RPGs. Yeah, those games look really, really good. I'm it wasn't on my list just because I was trying to narrow it down. But yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited for those two. And I haven't I haven't played them either, the PS1 version. So I'm looking forward to those a lot. What I will say is th this is ex an exciting year for RPGs. I feel like we've got a lot of good RPG content coming yeah, out. And we've, sure. we've had a lot of good RPG stuff this past six months. So for sure, it's exciting to see that trend continue <laughs> for sure all right man um well it's about that time anything else before we wrap up the show this week no i think that should do it um just a quick little tease i guess for the future we're working on streaming the podcast as we record it i don't know when that'll come but i just wanted to let everybody know that that will happen and so we will let everybody know prior that way for the first episode People can tune in, listen, chat in our Twitch chat as we're recording, and uh, we'll be doing that. So it'll it'll happen soon. But yeah, I, I just wanted to say from my end, thank you guys for for bearing with us as we um, kind of go through some some growing pains, I guess, for lack of a better word, just because, you know, we've been kind of hit or miss when it comes to release schedules over the past few months. And it's partially because the holidays, but uh, schedules as well. And I really do think we're we're really. Again, this is just me talking, but 
I feel like we're really trying to come back hard this year in 2023 and um, hope you guys stick around and enjoy the content in the coming months. Yeah, definitely trying to improve the uh, overall quality of the podcast and make it um, a lot more enjoyable to watch and listen. Um, but I know I can say, for, I'm sure Austin can as well, that I think that uh, 2023 is looking pretty promising for us. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, well, that being said, remember, guys, to share us with your friends. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, you can follow Austin on Twitter at Austin J. Eller. You can follow George on Twitter at TripleBird616. Coach is not on Twitter anymore. And I am at Seth the 90s Kid. Don't follow me. Don't do it. You'll get 200 pounds of cheese in your, yeah. your you Twitter up, DMs. You'll end up 200 <laughs> pounds of cheese richer, buddy. <laughs> Until next time, guys. It has been a pleasure. And uh, remember to keep on gaming. You've been cheesed. <laughs> yeah.